0: You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javet, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. In this podcast, we cover everything from churches and church planting efforts, mission and missions organization, evangelism, and unreached people groups, emerging movements and initiatives, justice, current events related to faith, and the persecutors to author interviews, and more. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Chavez. Today I'm joined by the founder of Echo, Will Landon. Our topic today focuses on the importance of education and equipping students with the resources needed to complete their schooling. Before we jump in, a little bit about Will. Like I said, he is the founder of Echo, a 501c3 dedicated to helping children in developing communities get access to holistic education. Will and his team are passionate about helping children around the world. He graduated from the University of Minnesota, Twin Cities, with a degree in advertising and a minor in Japanese. He has been a product designer and a writer for the last 15 years. Thanks for joining us today, Will.
1: First, Alphonse, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here.
0: So, why don't you give us a quick overview of your organization, how Echo works.
1: So I spent a few years researching and developing what became Echo. And all this with this vision I had of just basically wanting to help. And as a, I, you know, as a designer, there's a lot of people that you know are, are happy to help out organizations do some volunteer design time or things of that nature, I felt called to do more. And I always was inspired by other organizations that I saw out in the, the world doing great work. And so I spent a few years developing the program and the vision for what became ECHO. And that was driven by looking at what's out there, looking at the needs that are out there, You know, letting my inspiration and guidance and research find certain interesting areas in, of need that perhaps weren't being met in a way that that I felt that I might be able to to help with. And so long story short, with my background as a product designer, product person, entrepreneur, and and based on uh, what I've learned in my research, I put together a simple, repeatable program that any community could uh, take ownership of, um, and with the sole purpose of helping children in developing communities uh, basically get access to holistic education and you know what does that mean for us That means it's not just access to schooling but that they're fed that their personal hygiene is taken care of and because at, the, at my core i i know firsthand how empowering it is when someone you know intentionally interacts with me and either speaks positive words in, you know, into you into uh, when I was growing up, or or even provided in a way that I otherwise knew wasn't going to be provided for, and so um, and so our our goal, our mission is to help children uh, as many children as possible. I call this a legacy project. This will hopefully outlive me, and so we're, we we have a very big vision to to operate around the world. But we're at the very first steps of that, which is very exciting. We just because of the pandemic, we we're delayed quite a bit. Um, we actually just got started at the end of January and we're already seeing some really amazing progress in our first community in Uganda. It's very exciting.
0: That's so cool, man. So we talk about poverty a lot. So I think the word has lost its meaning. Can you help our audience to understand what poverty means for the families Echo works with, especially in the context of Uganda?
1: Sure. I mentioned earlier that you know, there, a lot of research went into developing this program. And once I had an idea that I thought could work, and once I started to be connected with people in Uganda, I put literally put my money where my mouth was. And, and I flew myself to Uganda, uh, to the west side of Uganda in Bweda. And, so inter- and, and to have conversations and to do kind of in, a, in my product uh, language, I, to do a beta run, of this model of, of this program that I had created. And so, you know, I, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but what, what I can speak to of what I've seen and, and also just, you know, observing the world. I, I see, or I saw with my own eyes, you know, children who shared a toothbrush, who five children slept on a child-sized mattress, not a twin mattress, but, you know, one of those kind of Child sized mattresses inside of a mud hut, barely able to, to, to eat. Um, I saw young mothers um, who were in their teens who were holding her twins while other children ran around too. I've been fortunate enough to, to meet leaders in Uganda who helped me understand what poverty means because I'm what do I know? I am a very privileged, comfortable person you know, who grew up in middle America and has had, you know, for all intents and purposes, mostly speaking, I've had a good life. Now we all have our stuff and I definitely have my baggage and my things to work through, but I did not know poverty really until I went there. I saw it, especially living in New York, you, you see unfortunate aspects of it too, but there are people who in villages around the world, not just Uganda who, are just kind of making making do and, and squeaking by. And so those are the first thoughts that come to me when I think about this topic.
0: Wow. My, when my boy says, Daddy, I'm just starving. I said, son, you don't understand starving. You just <laughs> had uh, uh, your third lunch and now you still starve <laughs> because you want and his starvation is for goldfish. So that's that's not starving. You're just right. uh, misusing the word And you're right, unless you, it's not that we don't have poverty here, but the intensity of that, what actually that means, it's just so much deeper or rich, the term itself, poverty. So I'm glad that, uh, you know, through you, the listeners are able to hear because eyewitness is important. Um, And I think uh, many times our eyes choose to see what they want to see, what we want to see.
1: Right. Agreed. I I think, you know, obviously, you know, our life's experiences inform our perspective, and that's kind of all we have. And so it makes sense that your kids would say I'm starving, but you're right, like, we can only hope and try to build into all of our lives, experiences that broaden Mm -hmm. our perspective. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the problems in the world stem it well the several core reasons but base one of the reasons is that we just don't have perspective for anything else or we refuse perspective for anything else
0: that's right and
1: so that's why i knew that i you know i'm a guy with an idea and the hope to build a team and and build a mission but i knew first and foremost that if i didn't actually put myself there and truly understand this idea i wasn't going to fully understand several things. One is, of course, the perspective, but also the importance of research and the importance of letting local communities speak into the development of our program. Because we want to be in communities around the world, not just Uganda. And as we introduce other communities, our one of our goals for this year as our first year in operation is to identify our second community. You know That is a process of identifying local leaders, learning from them, say, here's the model, but I've said before, in other conversations, you know, the needs of our ECHO program in Uganda, the needs of those children don't apply to children in, I don't know, India or Pakistan or, you know, or the Bronx or, you know, wherever, like, you know, yes, there are similarities, of course. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we have the core tenets of our program. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, in Buerta uh, or, you know, in, in Uganda, Western Uganda, there's those children, you know, either have never had a toothbrush or shared with their siblings. Wow! So now, for the first time in their lives, they each have their own toothbrush. You know, and we're and we're going to make sure that mm. you know because we're pro- proper hygiene is part of this program. That means that we're going to replace that toothbrush after you know whatever the uh, timeline is for toothbrushes, right? Four to six months, right? Or you know, it's so a little right. things like that. They go a long way, and that's part of the deeper psychology that is in this program is like, if you go to school and you're either starving or you maybe feel a little embarrassed. Cause you know, you, I don't know, your, your teeth feel gross or you're, you know, you weren't mm-hmm. able to bathe, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you stink a little bit. That's embarrassing. And that gets right. in the way, you know, kind of self induced shame that you're mm-hmm. feeling. I, I definitely, I felt that way in my very nice, comfortable, you know, middle, mid, uh Midwest high school, you know, <laughs> in certain uh, ways. Yeah. But in what, what happens when that happens psychologically? Well, what happens is these kids are no longer engaged. They're no longer focused on learning the things that they can learn or, or being free with their mind and heart to, to dream or to explore, to learn, to grow. Instead, right. they're, they're focused on, oh gosh, I'm so hungry.
0: So what are some of the barriers for kids, especially for girls to receive or finish their schooling in communities you work with? and how does ECHO try to address these barriers?
1: Sure, so I mean, ECHO um, as an organization, you know, we wanna come in and help. There's a few levels to in multiple ways that the program is meant to um, empower and kind of the mission is to create echoes of hope around the world and our program actually, we think does that um, in several ways. One of course is in the children uh, first and foremost, but. We also, in order to serve the children, we have at least one local coach, depending on the amount of children in our communities. Now, again, just disclaimer, like we just finally got started. So we're still only in one community. We we are going to grow beyond that. But the interesting thing is there's kind of three layers to here to the the echoes, <laughs> if you will, that are happening. It's in the and I'll answer your question about especially the, the little girls uh, in our program and their barriers, but to kind of answer in reverse order. There's the, the hearts and minds of the children that are being empowered. But then we're actually providing um, you know a playbook, if you will, for what we call coaches to go in and to, to be these uh, these points of contact for our classes. Uh, we, we operate in classes of 10 at a time. That's very intentional because we're, we're not sponsoring kids in this program, but instead we're building a program where the kids feel empowered and on their own. Yes, that works. But then they also have this camaraderie that comes in with being part of a class. We call them a class. And so we're going to introduce classes of 10 as we grow in, not only in our Uganda location, but as we uh, expand to other communities as well. And so our coaches go in on at least every month, probably two to three times a month and have intentional touch points with the kids and say like, how's basically, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but how is it going? What's been going well this month, what's, what's not going well, how are your studies, how are you feeling at home, how are you with the resources that you're getting in, uh, through the ECHO program, and then also just having built-in time to that intentional space to create a safe and empowering environment for the kids. That, uh, and, and we're getting videos of kids just playing in the schoolyard and just you know, building in activities into this, again, that camaraderie um, with their class. But then the third layer is simply the uh, fact that all of our resources that go into the program are actually um, locally sourced. Our local leaders are trusted and equipped to go find trusted partners locally. And so there's actually that third layer of ECHO is where the local community is actually getting supported as well. And so the ECHO program is, is very powerful and with the potential to really change hearts and minds within local communities and that's not, you know, I don't want to oversell it. Cause like, obviously we're a small pebble in the ocean, but we're going to, we're going to try our best. And to answer your question about the young women who are young girls who are in our program, you know, that's an interesting question. As I said before, research is really, really important because obviously we want to be informed in our actions but then also informed in our observations and our effectiveness. You know, so we, we're not just saying like, here's a bunch of things to to help with your life. We actually want to make sure it's the right things. And so part of my research and part of, you know, uh, working with my very small team, someone brought up a great point that I hadn't thought about, which is we need to make sure that feminine hygiene products are considered as part of this monthly program. These are things that can be quite hard to get in, you know, in small, you know, communities or really villages where, you know, everyone's living in mud huts and it's, it, you have to walk for a few hours to get to the shop and things of that nature. And that's if you even have money. And also in some of these communities, and in, the, in particular in our first community in, in Uganda, we're, we're serving kind of an area that's between Kasese and Buera, And it's the Western side of Uganda, close to the Congo. And one of the ways that our program is helpful is when families there are low on abilities to get to school, the the sons get preference. Let's say I have two kids, and one's a son, one's a daughter. And they only have money for one kid to go to school, or only you know resources to, for a kid to go to school. Well, the son's going to school, and the daughter isn't. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one mm-hmm. way where you know it's really important that our program. It's powerful enough to go into any community, but it's also malleable enough for the specifics of the community to inform how the program is deployed into that community. And so in this case, what's happening is we know that an important aspect for this community are actually the school fees in order to get kids to school um, because of the specifics of this community. And so that's one way that we're making sure that young girls are getting the same exact access to not just education but you know again holistic education food and the hygiene that they need to be fully empowered and to dream and to, to become fully who they want to be as well
0: the way you're approaching holistically is not just the academic education you're you are going to it's almost like going in into their culture addressing needs that exist in that culture why is education so crucial yeah and you could have done so many other things to improve the lives of children and and people around the world but why education
1: well that's a great question i wish i had some real good punchy answer that is you know you could throw a headline or something like that on some article but the but the honest answer is I spent three years working on this before I ever launched anything or or started anything. And when I thought about my life and just what I understand about human psychology and just even just historical development of of societies and people, not to sound dramatic, but our history is one of kind of, there's two, uh, at least two common threads. One is just storytelling, which I believe very profoundly in. And the other is learning and, and, you know, pushing ourselves forward. And it's in the ability and, and the access to being able to push forward, to actually see what's possible, to learn and to let curiosity drive us. That's how we can change the world. And I truly believe that if we help, Children in developing communities get access to good education around Mm -hmm. the world, holistic education too, Mind. Mm -hmm. That's really important to us. Mm -hmm. That we actually start a groundswell of a movement that is um from you know some of the smallest communities around the world, that we now start to raise the tide around the world. And you know, what more could we ask for than the next generations to To, you know, look at the stars and dream and say, oh, I could do this. I could do that. Whatever this and that are. We have a kid in Buera named Joad. Because he got access to education, because he got access to an environment that actually helped him develop something he was passionate about. And in his case, that was actually writing English. And he got so good at it that in his village, he... (laughs) He kind of became known as the village scribe. And so mm-hmm. he had all these elders go to him, a 12-year-old boy, and say, hey, can you write a letter for me? And now mm-hmm. what is that doing? Not only is that, you know, sparking Joad's curiosity and, and Joad's love for his community, but now he's hearing stories. And, you know, and I don't want to, like, presume what could happen from that. But he's literally becoming the scribe of his village. And he's, you know, he's he's creating little moments of hope for all those elders in his village but he's also you know developing as a young man into understanding the power of community the the, the impact that he, just he himself has and you know what does that do that creates an echo of hope that allows him to then pass that on just excellent. as a person as he grows as well
0: yeah that's excellent man and i also appreciate the way you guys are doing uh, holistic education uh, through echo and uh, giving people hopes to dream so education could be difficult in Pakistan too. Uh, it was for me, it was very difficult to obtain because the uh, family often need to need the children to work. and even an, even if they do uh, go to school, the curriculum is heavily biased against minorities and being a Christian kid, mm. that's what I struggled with, right? So in uh, my elementary school, I really struggled with my identity as a Pakistani Christian, and the reason was, I was taught, and it's still today, still true today, that to be Pakistani is to be Muslim, right? Mm -hmm. So there is my faith, my my religious identity is being challenged, Mm -hmm. and then because of that, I actually started and ran a school in Pakistan until the the pressure against a Christian running a successful school became uh, so great that I had to flee, Um, and uh, God made made uh, arrangements for me and I was able to come to the States and stay here and live for school, get married and so forth and so on. Um, I was also al- always, a, uh, it was always a challenge having uh, um, to, to teach state mandated uh, curriculum that was so heavily against minorities or uh, full of, um, uh, you know, Islamist, um, Islamic ideology. Uh, on the flip side, we are also um, we were not um, the, the, so so some of the things that I think I regret that I should have known um, it was hidden from me because uh, so give us a overview department. of these boxes. So for it's not only that they put what they want to teach, but also they took away what they don't want us to know. And I didn't even know about the Holocaust uh, till I got here in the United States, and I was. Uh, Wow. Attending my uh, college classes, and one day they talked about Holocaust. I was like, what? what? What happened? And they're talking about it, like, My gosh, so that's connected to the Second World War? Oh, what? And I'm just sitting wow. there, and I'm like 25 years old, and I'm learning for the first time. So, things like this, it's damaging, right? And you've right. been brought up in a isolated environment. That's why I think it's important organizations like ACCO to get into cultures and society and talk to people. I love earlier you, you said that you even spoke to the leaders of that community and you did your research. It's incredible. I would love for the audience to hear from you what you guys do with these boxes.
1: Sure. So that's basically how we've simplified the message. Like what's the actual tangible thing that's happening. And so every month the program is such that through the research and interviews, we identify what needs to, what are the resources on a monthly basis that would tangibly have impact for these children. And so that's what the box is. The ECHO program is essentially the delivery of the monthly resources. And that happens in groups of 10 or classes of 10, as we call them. We have one class in operation right now. And so every month at the beginning of the month, our coach brings uh, the boxes. Mm -hmm. And so, and this is where, you know, like I said, the, one of the neat things about our program, and one of the things I'm personally just very excited to see develop as the years go on is each community's box will be different. And so so for, for mm Ubuera, Uganda box, you know, there's, Like I mentioned earlier, we have school fees as part of that monthly contribution and resource. We also have things like a bag of beans and rice. There are school books, you know, like, you know, like notebooks, essentially to do school work and pencils. There's toothbrush and toothpaste. When the kids first start in the program, we get them a soccer ball to help with physical activity. And I'll I'll pause on that for a second, because when I was in Buera and going around their village, I noticed that the children would tie trash in the shape of a ball and that would be their soccer ball and they love, you know, or football. They love, they love football. And so, you know, as a way to, again, holistic education, how do we help build them up from their mind, body, and soul? So let's give them tools to be creative. And sometimes for some kids, that's also in the sports or at athleticism, you know, and so there's also coloring books and crayons. And then, of course, personal hygiene products, whether that be soap or feminine products for the uh, young girls. girls. That's the framework of our Uganda box uh, currently.
0: Uh, I think that's that's awesome. And especially, I like that they actually assembled in the community, benefiting locals as well. And I love that. That's not only holistic education for the child, but it's also... Supporting the economy or the community that they are part of, so that's awesome too. So, how can listeners who want to support education do so? What do they need to do
1: to engage? You can go to our website, createecho.org, or you can find us on Twitter or Instagram. The same uh, at at createecho, all one word. And I'd love to hear from people. You know, one of the, one of the biggest things, of course, is a brand new Nonprofit. We want to make sure that not only are we sustaining the children in the program currently, but we'll grow and serve more children in this community, as well as prepare the way for the future and finding our second community. People can email me directly. I'm keen to, you know, I, I said at the top of this uh, chat, this is a, uh, I call it a legacy project. I, this is not about me. I hope it outlives me. I I want to build a thriving organization that does this work around the world, the right people that want to help build it too. Um, you know, from an operational perspective. I appreciate the opportunity to to share more with you and my first podcast talking about echo. So I'm I'm grateful for the chance.
0: That's good, man. I'm glad that you are sharing and we're gonna put the link in the description as well. And hopefully okay. they will get in touch with you. Is there anything else you would like to? add to this conversation before we start closing this up
1: this has been really great you know the biggest thing i like to leave with people and we want to make sure that regardless of if you engage with the mission side of things Mm -hmm. anybody can be an echo of hope in their life and so for anyone listening that might have found this interesting just know that we ourselves as people have the choice every day to be the type of people that you know create echo even if it's that's in our own heart but also in our, in our own communities, our own lives on a daily basis. with Every single person we interact with, it's an opportunity to be an echo of hope.
0: That's so cool, man. I'm glad that we connected. So as for the last thing, tell me a joke. I just want people to get to know you. So one of the <laughs> ways they will know that you do serious stuff, but you're also a you know, normal human being. Who laughs talks enjoy life <laughs> so tell me a joke
1: oh my gosh that's hilarious so <laughs> i really uh i really uh, appreciate this this is one of the things where i i'm bad on the spot with jokes because <laughs> i'm not a joke teller you know but i'm really i've, I've been told i'm quite funny when i'm just like talking like in conversation right. so but the thing that i love uh, I think probably the, the genre of humor I love the most are what's now known as dad jokes. I oh, think, yeah. I
0: love dad I jokes. Think, yes.
1: I think they're amazing. So I just Googled, you know, best jokes. Like, this is how bad I am at telling jokes. Why do we tell actors to break a leg? Why? Because, because every play has a cast.
0: Ah, <laughs> that's right. You see, there go. I love these <laughs> kind of jokes. Exactly. <laughs> Good job, man. Thank, thank you so it. much for being on the show
1: of course alphonse thanks for the opportunity and i wish you all the very best
0: again that was uh, will lenzen from echo and thank you to all our listeners if you appreciate this podcast please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast tune in next week for more honest discussions from diverse voices You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Please check back for new episodes every week.